Hey everybody, welcome to The Geek Awakens. Uh, I'm Mitch, and my question for my uh, guest and co-hosts tonight, so Chuck E. Cheese has filed for bankruptcy protection, and there are rumors on Twitter uh, that Spirit Halloween won't open physical stores this season. What else is go 2020 going to do to us? And we're going to start with Tabitha. Why do you always start with me? Do you have because, like a vendetta against me? No, because on my screen, you're the one like that is next to me, and I'm just going around in a circle. Mm. Interesting. Um, so every time I tried to think about this question today, I kept thinking about that Chuck E. Cheese in the landfill picture that I sent you <laughs> yesterday, and I couldn't stop thinking about Chuck E. Cheese, but really I'm just surprised that they've lasted this long, so I'm not even really that mad at COVID-19, really. Like, I mean, they could take pretty much anything that it wanted at this point, but they already got Chuck E. Cheese, so I'm good. <laughs> Matt. Dancing pizza rat. I'm done. <laughs> Matt, what about you? It's hard to say, but I I think that maybe because I, I I was thinking about this this afternoon, um, like chain um, buffet restaurants. Like if there's any left, like Golden Corral. Oh. I mean, because the the one the one. It's over on 6th Street. Like, they have signs that it's available for takeout, but who's going to get, like, Golden Corral for takeout? No. Buffet should be mm. banned a long time ago, just to be with <laughs> you. I don't know. I think that may, be, that may be the next casualty. Lydia. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take from us, but I saw something earlier that's like, you know, I'm determined that time travel is real and somebody's trying to fix 2020, but they just keep screwing it up worse. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> I'm kind of going with that route at this point, but I don't know what's going to happen next. Yes. Uh, our guest for tonight, uh, Emily. Um, I saw something about there was a, like a UFO that was confirmed and like there was just no news on it. So I think that's just like a foreshadowing event. Like eventually sometime this year, we're going to get aliens. I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm echoing that Emily, uh, full-on alien invasion, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and go one further. It's not going to be the good kind of aliens. Like, we're going to need, like, Tom Cruise and Will Smith. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to I mean, be. it's awful. almost the most 4th of July. Welcome to Earth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Will Smith always saves the day on the 4th of July. Right? It's okay. It'll be okay. As long as he has his little clicky thingy to erase people's memories afterwards, too. Oh, man, that would be so awesome. He deals with so many aliens. Yeah. I would like that, like, memory taker away or thingy just, like, for my own, like, you know, like, when you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with, like, a memory of something that you said, like, 20 years ago? I'd like that for those moments. <laughs> they have that. It's called alcohol. <laughs> So, uh, uh, as I said, we are joined by Emily Anderson, uh, who is our guest for Artist Alley tonight. Emily, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. So, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started as an artist, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, I guess it started, like, in childhood. Um, I was homeschooled for a long time, and, I mean, we always focused on, like, sewing and um painting and pottery. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I just um, recently, I kind of 
I've been trying to figure out what is like my, my go-to side hustle. And it turns out um, that doing commissions after a few years um, is really paying off now. So I'm kind of getting back into that. Awesome. So yeah, so speaking of commissions, so you, I noticed that you were taking commissions for uh, portraits for around Father's Day. Uh, how'd that go for you? And kind of tell us about the, the process with that. Um, it went pretty well. I actually got, um, I want to say 12 commissions within the first 48 hours. Um, and I, I pumped them out pretty quick. I just asked for, you know, a photo, what exactly the person wants, because as much as I love putting my own creativity and everything into it, um, what people want is what's going to get me money. So <laughs> send that in. Um, I go, I, I trace over it several times just to make it look exactly right. And eventually the people who are in the picture kind of look like comic book characters. And I mean, sometimes people want like to wear a different costume or they want like a, you know, the little comic speech bubbles. Um, they want to like say something like happy father's day. Um, but whatever they want, like I just, I make exactly what they want. And then I push that out. <laughs> and, and I gotta say too, like I saw some of the ones that you posted on Facebook and yeah, just, I, I really enjoyed the, like, like the lifelike detail of them. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, they looked like comic book versions of them which is amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so are you still taking commissions or was that just for like holidays or whatever? Oh no. Um, I mean, with the holiday, it was kind of a nice thing of like, Hey, if you super promote around the holidays, you'll get like a bunch, but I'm always taking commissions. It's just a matter of like, usually I can get the commission back out within three hours. Um, but sometimes it takes till the end of the day, but it usually doesn't take more than 48 hours. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It so, takes me six hours to wash a dish, and she's like knocking out portraits <laughs> in three hours. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> so uh, you've also been releasing various designs uh, for Pride Month. Uh, so what uh, what are some of those designs and what products do you put them on? Um, I, I put them on Threadless and with that, I, I mean, I can make one image and put it on anything, a shirt, a print, a skateboard, a phone case. Um, but I, I've been focusing on my son, I guess. Like he and uh, my neighbor, I mean, they're kids and I, I want them to feel representation in things that they'll recognize. So. I've been looking at different characters like Deadpool, for example. Um, he's pansexual, so I'll take his outline and then I'll put the flag on that and then that design can go on anything. But that way, like, you know, at a young age, people can see representation right away and, and recognize it. And that's, and that's awesome, like, especially for Pride Month in general, because that's, that's what this month is for. Mm -hmm. um, now you have also kind of like a unique perspective because you've also worked behind the scenes at uh, at some conventions. So, watch, uh, tell us about some of the challenges that people face, like trying to sell their work at an actual artist alley. Um, I think the hardest thing for artist alley is the layout of the floor plans really determine whether or not you're going to make money, and it's not always about 
your own art or your own table. It's if the flow of traffic of people, if it's not going to hit artist alley, that entire hallway, it's not going to make any money. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. The, if there is people coming in uh, past the booths and everything, the issue there um, are actually cosplayers. <laughs> they often take photos in front of artist booths and then the people focus on taking the photo and completely forget that there's a person behind there um, trying to sell, you know, their hustle. <laughs> so uh, once conventions open back up, will you be going, uh, be going to any as a part of Artist Alley? Um, as a part of an artist alley, probably not. Um, if you start out as like a brand new artist, the worst thing you can do is actually get a booth at artist alley because you probably will not make your table money back. The best thing that you can do is, uh, go with like, you know, a hundred different business cards. And as you're networking at the convention, you can pass those out. Um, so I'll probably be doing that. And then eventually when I have a bigger online presence, then I'll get a booth because people will recognize me. But I don't know. I mean, I'll be attending <laughs> <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> and that's the biggest part, right? Yeah, it's the networking. <laughs> so uh, who was your favorite celebrity or was there a favorite celebrity when you were working conventions? I mean, I, I got really excited over meeting uh, Tom Kane for the first time, but I think my favorite celebrity was probably Don McGregor. Um, we ended up just really clicking and now we're really good friends. Nice. Uh, so you're also a cosplayer. So mm -hmm. what character is on your like bucket list to cosplay someday? I think during this time, my cosplay list has definitely shifted. Um, it was She-Ra, but now it's, um, actually Brack from Space Ghost and uh, the Mothman, Rorschach, <laughs> things that cover Muff's face that I can put a filter in and not worry about yours. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, I, I really like comedy cosplays. I think that's probably like my ideal category. So like, I want to take my shark costume, which is weirdly what a lot of people know me for is dressing up as Jaws, but, um, I want to take that and make Sharkira and see how that <laughs> Yes. Let's pin a wig on. We'll see. That sounds amazing. And if you ever do that, like, I, I need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I will send you photos of progress. Yes. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so, um, so the last question that we, that I have, so, um, you know, how can people find you online and, you know, and take this opportunity to promote yourself however you want. Okay. Um, I have three different social media outlets. I'm still kind of figuring out how to do like Twitch and Twitter and all of those things. But for right now I have um, uh, Facebook under Apple, the token ginger, as well as uh, for threadless, it's Apple, the token ginger dot threadless dot com. And then on Instagram, sorry, there's a fly. Um, you can find me on uh, Apple the Token Ginger as well. Awesome. So Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and best of luck to you. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So we've got a bunch of other stuff to, to cover today. Uh, the 
first thing, we've got a couple of uh, press releases. One from uh, Z2 Comics. They have announced uh, the follow-up to last year's graphic novel, The Twisted Tales of the Ridlin Club. Uh, the, new, uh, the sequel to that is uh, Weird Times at Quarry Banks University. The original sold out days after its initial release. And this is actually something that we had talked about last year. And it kind of sounded interesting. And then I completely forgot about it. But anyway, so Youngblood returns with co-writer Ryan O'Sullivan. And the Ridland Club are now enrolled at Quarry Banks University, but uh, must face a new foe with a familiar face. I said face a lot right then. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So many faces. (laughs) From uh, from the manga dimension. Uh, It's available for pre-order in various editions now from the Z2 website. Uh, Also, uh, Vault announced their annual horror imprint, Nightfall, is going to return with the release of The Autumnal. It's a book about uh, Kat Somerville, who leaves Chicago with her daughter after the death of Kat's estranged mother. The two head to New Hampshire, to a town that may be more than it seems. Uh, Autumnal will hit uh, shelves in September, and more Nightfall titles will be announced soon. I know we read a couple of Nightfall titles last year, and Mm -hmm. they were genuinely creepy, which is nice for that time of year. Yeah. I actually, when I was reading that press release, uh, I was reminded of reading the plot, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love. Um, and I had forgotten that it was kind of like a seasonal title. And I was like, oh, I need to go back and get the rest of those issues. I'm like, oh, I guess maybe you did read all the issues. Now I just need more things like that. So uh, speaking of Vault, we had a chance to read uh, Bleed Them Dry number one. Uh, it's on sale now. It was written by... Uh, Elliot Rahal, and art by Dyke uh, Ron. Uh, so, in the year 3333, humans and vampires coexist in the Japanese-engineered megacity called Asylum. Uh, someone is killing vampires, and Detective Harper Holloway is on the case. Uh, I know, Matt and Tabitha, you guys also had a chance to read this. Uh, what did you think? I like this. I think this was a fun, like, an interesting, different mashup. Like, just as far as, like... I don't know, vampires, the, the anime, sci, you know, sci-fi, like everything that was going on, it kind of reminded me mashup-wise of like what happened with Firefly. Like you took a couple of things that you wouldn't really think would go together. Um, and it, I, I don't know, I thought it blended really well. Um, I, the artwork was not 100% my favorite, but like I like the style and what it was trying to do. Um, but I, I don't know this, I really enjoyed. Um, I would love to see where the rest of this goes. Tabitha, what about you? I'm not going to lie. So when I opened it and I was like vampire ninjas, like I gave one of my super epic eye rolls and I was like, no, I don't <laughs> do this. and then I read like, it like didn't do that thing that single issue comics likes to do where they're just like, Hey, you're in the middle of something and we're not going to explain anything. Good luck. And I'm like, it didn't do that. So I'm like, okay. All right, beginning of the story. Give me a little, give me a little world building. Give me some backdrop, and then like we got into it, and I like actually was enjoying myself. And I, <laughs> then I got to the end, and I'm like, wait, but what happens next? What happens? What happens next? Though I, I need to know what happens. So th- this is one of those things that if it was in like a trade, like a bind up, I would probably be like. Ooh, but if it's going to single issue, I'm going to forget everything I just read in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so I liked it. I agree with Matt, though. The art wasn't my favorite. It was a little jumbled. 
Um, it looked like it was like trying to sort of Sin City itself, but in an anime fashion, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And it was kind of like distracting, but I liked the story and I really do want to know where this goes. Oh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to kind of mostly disagree on the art. Uh, I th- thought that, yeah, like I-, I agree. Like, yes, I think jumbled is a good word for it in some instances, but I don't know. I, I kind of liked the, like how futuristic it, you know, it, it showed, you know. Um, I also like, I just, I really enjoyed the idea of vampires and humans just coexisting. That's not something mm-hmm. that we really see, you know. Uh, vi- our vampires are typically the villain in any story, but that's not necessarily the case here. Um, you know, some vampires are good, some are bad. They're, they're just like us, you know. Um, <laughs> they're people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also, I liked the kind of subtle way that they showed how, uh, I guess in, in this time, vampires are also called immortals. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. called just vampires, but how um, they get their blood fixed. Like if you guys noticed <laughs> in the diner, like, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Harper was drinking mm-hmm. coffee and Atticus was drinking hot blood. I was like, oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I did. I really like yeah. that scene, the way that that like panel was split up between. And at first, I was like, who's getting? Because at that point, we don't know who's who. Mm-hmm. And so they're like pouring, and I'm like, well, who's getting what? And I'm like looking, trying to see if I can figure it out. Until, like, that panel <laughs> yeah. where he's got the coffee or he's got the blood. I'm like, got it. Yeah, that reveal was was very that was well really done. well done. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes, but overall, I'm really digging the story. Uh, I'm also really glad that my gut feeling about Atticus was right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm interested to see, you know, where it goes from here. So, but yeah, but like I said, it's out now. Um, if you like vampires and the future, I guess, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> so we also had a chance to review Seven Days Number 7 from Lion Forge. Uh, it's on sale now, but... Uh, be forewarned, if you haven't read this yet, we are about to spoil it for you. Um, it's just because with something like this, you can't. You can't help. But anyway, uh, it's written by Gail Simone with art by uh, Jose Luis. Uh, it's the finale to this crossover, uh, crossover event. Kino, Summit, Excel, and Moonrise take on the Obsidian Titan while Cosmosis, Amino, uh, uh, Queen Credible and a new heroine battle uh, uh, Kralon? Is that how you guys have been, been pronouncing yeah. it? Okay. I actually, I went back to reread the entire miniseries. Mostly because, just because of COVID, like I had forgotten a lot of it. Um, so I went back and reread everything. I'm really glad that I did. Uh, overall, I really loved this miniseries. Um, I th- thought that I did a great job of highlighting both the existing heroes as well as introducing uh, new ones. And I don't really think that anybody like was left out or yeah, I don't think that any character was like wasted in this miniseries. Um, it was a satisfying conclusion, but it still kind of left the door open for uh, more. And I'm genuinely like excited to see like where the Catalyst Prime universe goes from here. Uh, and also if any of these new characters get their own, titles because they did like they introduced i think at like four new heroes from this miniseries 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know how many. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, but also like, I loved. I'm, I am a sucker when it comes to, you know, superhero poses or whatever. And like that last <laughs> panel, that that was squad yeah. goals for me. <laughs> so what uh, what did you guys think? I think this is the way these events crossovers like should be done. Like this, like just, it was fantastic. All of the heroes got, you know, if you will, screen time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you had, you, you had the deaths, you had, you know, the comebacks, you had the, the battles, you had everything. And at the same, like in, in and amongst all of that, you get a cohesive story that gives this universe something to build on without umpteen different crossovers and offshoots and side stories that you don't want to spend $300 following. What about you, Tabitha? Um, I mean, let's get real. I didn't really remember anything that had happened before because we just talked about this. Um, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed this. Like, I... I followed this part of the story really well, even though I didn't remember anything. Like, not that you could read, like, the final thing as a standalone, but, like, I wasn't completely lost. Like, they still, you know, harken back to some of the things that had already happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Like, I have a vague memory of something happening. My only complaint was that, like, the death of, like, the quote-unquote big bad, the whatever guy whose mm -hmm. name we can't figure out how to pronounce, like, I wanted, like, a full-page like of that like oh. instead of just like mm -hmm. top left corner i'm like is he dead like i'm like squinting at it like oh yeah i guess he is dead and then we're just like and eh, everything's fine now and i'm like okay womp womp like that, that could have been like i just i wanted like a big full page spread of like his defeat like after this whole thing like you give me one tiny panel in the corner like that was my only con yeah you're, you're right like that oh man now that's not something that I thought of, but now that you said it, yeah, like a huge, like full page. Mm -hmm. uh, oh man, yeah, yeah. Like you, you read a book and you want like the you know the conclusion to happen a few pages before the end, so you have something to go on. But like on this, I wanted I, like if they would have just ended it there, and then like the next panel would have been that final panel, I would have been fine. But like it was kind of like boom, little tiny panel, and then like blah 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 finale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but seven days on sale now. Yeah, like I, I, I can't stress enough. Like this, Matt, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like this is how like events and miniseries should be done. And I know that the big two aren't going to pay attention to this because there are dumb idiots like me who will buy most of the tie-ins <laughs> and everything. But this is how it should have been done. But yeah. All right. So uh, we are now going to get to... Reaction. And first, we're going to start with Matt and uh, a new trailer for Cursed from Netflix. Yes, so this debuts on Netflix on July 17th. Uh, it is based on the illustrated novel by Tom Wheeler and Frank Miller. It is the story of Nimue, mm -hmm. uh, who is a young lady who is destined to become the Lady of the Lake. Um, it's 10 one hour long episodes in the first season. So presumably we will get more than that. This trailer, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's kind of dark. It's like hints at what's to come. Um, I don't know. I, 
I'm excited for this. This is definitely something that's going to go on the, the want to watch list. So thumbs up. Lydia. Um, I feel like I've heard about this before. I'm not entirely sure, but it sounds really interesting. So I will definitely check it out. Thumbs up. I had no idea that this was a thing until you posted about it. And then I saw the trailer and man, this looks good. Uh, <laughs> thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, this looks really cool. Um, I had heard about it before because it originated as a novel. Um, but I want to read the novel first before I watch the TV show, obviously. But I like the lore that it's based on. So this is definitely going on my watch list. So I'm giving it a thumbs up. To be fair, I want the original cover of the novel and not the Netflix cover. Because the original cover is like red and black. Looks and like white. a Frank Miller cover. Yeah, it looks like a Frank Miller cover. And the new one looks like a you know made for TV, made for film adaptation cover oh that's unfortunate mm. yeah <laughs> those are almost never as good i won't say like they're never as good because i have seen a couple of adaptation covers that are decent, but yeah no, for the I most part yeah i didn't know what this was and i saw this on the shelf at barnes and noble with the like red black and white cover and was immediately drawn to it and then I saw this new cover for the Netflix series. I'm like, uh, I need to go back and find the old cover. Always. Yep. Uh, so, Matt, you also have, uh, we have another trailer for uh, Foundation. We do. So, at the Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple showed the first trailer for their new series, Foundation. Um, Foundation is based on the Isaac Asimov uh, book series. It's had a long road to try and get to TV. Like it just hasn't, they've tried for years. Um, the long and short is this, it is a, um, the series stars Lee Pace um, as brother day, the emperor of the galaxy and Jared Harris from Chernobyl um, as Harry uh, Selden, a mathematician who's predicted the downfall of the galactic empire and moves to create a compendium of all knowledge called the encyclopedia galactica as a way to shorten the impending dark ages. Um, this trailer is, is epic and like it, it's a, it, it is an epic space opera. Like if you, if you could put that in a visual style, like that's what this trailer is. Um, I've never read the foundation. It's always been on my TBR. Um, this might finally spur me to uh, read at least the first one. Cause this looks awesome. Thumbs up. Lydia. Um, it sounds interesting. I'm not entirely sure it's my cup of tea. Um, did you say it was on Apple TV? Yeah. Is it only on there? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe not my cup of tea. I obviously don't have that, so for that reason, I'm going to go with them sideways, because even if I wanted to watch it, I would have to get something else that I don't have, so. <laughs> <laughs> not doing that. Uh, I'm also going to give this a thumb sideways. I watched the trailer and it's not entirely the trailer's fault because I was busy doing like 7,000 things. Uh, but whereas, cause I watched this right after I watched um, the trailer for um, Hearst. Hearst. Yeah. And I stopped what I was doing and watched curse uh, the foundation. I, I didn't, there were a couple times I forgot that I was supposed to be actually watching something. Uh, <laughs> I think I think part of it too was because like the the trailer 
like the first what 30 seconds of it or whatever was kind of like a behind the scenes type of thing and then yeah. they actually went to the the trailer i think if they hadn't done that it would have grabbed me a little bit more uh so maybe maybe i'll go back and revisit it when i'm a little less busy but for right now thumb sideways tabitha um i'm also gonna give this a thumb sideways i think that this looks really cool um, and it's not that I'm doubting Apple TV's ability to pull it off, but the epic sci-fi space operas that are books that are turned into TV shows usually lack that, like... Grandiose. Yeah, like, you don't get the same world, you don't get the same, like, feeling as when you're reading it. Again, I've never read this, but um, they tried to do this with Leviathan Wakes. Uh, the Expanse. The Expanse, thank you, couldn't think of the TV show name. Um and from what I understand, like, the book is basically, like, it's like reading a 300-page book, and the TV show is about 20 pages of that 300-page book, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of worried that the foundation, while it's not long, the, like, scope of the series is really broad, so I'm worried that they won't be able to be as inclusive with everything in a short amount of time with the TV series, and, like, they'll leave stuff out that is probably pretty important, so I'm gonna give it a thumb sideways. So FX has announced that both Why the Last Man and Ryan Murphy's anthology spinoff American Horror Stories uh, will now debut exclusively on uh, FX on Hulu. Originally, they were going to be on the actual cable channel. Now they're just streaming. Um, I will give this still a thumbs up because I have Hulu. But at the same time, uh, give me Why the Last Man right now. Give it to me right now. We've talked about it for too long. Give it to me now. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm waiting on this Why the Last Man, like I'm waiting on Game of Thrones. But uh, I, I, I like that these things are going to these streaming services and like to these platforms because who has cable anymore? Like, what year is it? Put your hand down. You're also balance your checkbook. You don't count. <laughs> <laughs> she has you a point. Grandma. Um, <laughs> I balanced it this morning, actually. <laughs> of course you did but like i like that they're doing that because it makes it easier for me to watch because i'm lazy and pushing the hulu button is easier than having to like find it on a tv channel and then like you know whatever but thumbs up but i agree with you give me why the last man give to me now matt um I, I mean i kind of i don't know i guess i kind of expected some of these things to shift from the network station to just the streaming service um, as things went along, just because unless it's, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, like pretty much all this stuff is just debuting. Even if it is on the, the the cable channel, it's also debuting on the streaming service like simultaneously. So I, I mean, that's fine. Um, Yes. I want this wide, the last man, but I still need to go read it. So but, uh, it's literally right I, there. Yes, I know. Okay. But we also have a multitude of other things that I want to read. So, but still thumbs up. <laughs> Lydia. Yeah, I agree with what Matt was saying. Like, I'm expecting it to kind of go the way of everything's just going to end up on a streaming service at some point. Um, kind of like I said with the uh, Apple TV thing, though, I don't have Hulu. So that's like not a good thing for me. I don't want to have to get 20 million different streaming services just to watch one show but i also need to watch uh, read by the last man so when you're done with it can you send it my way (laughs) Uh, thumb sideways by the way 
Yeah, and you could also borrow it from me, Lydia, um, except I think the first couple that I've loaned out to a friend from work, and this was before, you know, Corona Life happened. You're never getting it back. <laughs> he listens to this show. I'll get it back. <laughs> So, uh, Tabitha, let's talk about um, somebody who's trying to one-up the uh, the guy that made the Next Generation Bridge replica. Uh, yeah, someone has actually built the uh, computer system, which is super cool. Did you guys get a chance to watch the video of this actually working? I didn't watch um, the video, but I looked at some of the pictures. So a Star Trek fan named Darian Johnson built a mini computer uh, complete with like the, the computer interface. It literally like, it, it's like you can pull it up and you can check the weather and you can uh, pull up a calendar, check um, like the humidity, pull stuff in from your email, get fitness updates from Google Fitness, which I guess is important. Um, but basically, you can do all this, but it looks like the TNG computer screen. Um, and it's actually uh, completely available online for free, but you have to build it yourself. All the, all the files and schematics that you need are available for download on Hackaday. Um, we don't know if it makes like the fun noises or anything yet, but uh, that's an easy update if somebody you know smarter than me wanted to do it. This looks great. I want it. I want it on my work computer and it'll make my day go 3,000 times faster. It does only work with Microsoft though, which I don't know how to use. So <laughs> I would be alone in the dark, but I'm giving this a giant thumbs up. Bravo to this dude for knowing how to do this and having enough time to do this. Matt. Uh, thumbs up. I think I found a weekend project. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia. I love that people are spending like the quarantine and stuff, just creating all this stuff from Star Trek. <laughs> this sounds amazing and I want it. Thumbs up. I'm going to have to give it a thumb sideways. It sounds amazing, but, uh, I'm not going to be able to build it myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably could, but I'm also lazy. So thumbs sideways. <laughs> You're not lazy. You're just extremely busy. Remember, you said that earlier. Yeah, you're right. Thanks, Lydia. You know, if you <laughs> got your back. Balancing your checkbook that would free up some time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Lydia. Uh... <laughs> she is really bitter about you balancing your checkbook. I know. It's almost like she wants <sighs> me to overdraft. <laughs> I do work for a bank, so <laughs> this is true. Lydia, let's talk about Hamilton. Yeah, so as we've been discussing rather a lot, uh, Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd. Um, it has been said recently, though, that it will be censored, and people have been wondering how censored. We actually got a response from Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter. Um, he says, on July 3rd, you are getting the whole show Every single, every note and every scene and a one minute countdown clock during intermission. Bathroom. But MPAA has a hard rule about language. More than one utterance of the F word is an automatic R rating. And there are three in the show. So he says, I literally gave two Fs so the kids could see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every other, everything else is in the show. Every seen every note everything so we just lost the f-bomb from yorktown and from um southern democratic republicans <laughs> but 
we do apparently get the, uh, that was my wife that you decided to, (laughs) (laughs) so that's the one we get to keep. (laughs) I love that he's, he's okay with it. He's happy about it. And I love his response to this. If muting those two F-bombs means that we get everything else in the show, I am all for it. Thumbs up. I have to go thumb sideways on principle alone. If um, for me, like I would have much rather than kept the one in uh, the Southern Democratic Republicans. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would have chosen that one, but um, but that's the only reason why it's going thumb sideways. Uh, everything else about the about it is fantastic. Um, yeah, if you have to take a couple of things out to make it available for everyone, fantastic. Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with you. Like if like that song's just gonna hit different without that line in it, and like the other one like is less prominent. So I get that that's why they left that one in. But like that builds my rage. Like I love that part of that song. It makes me so happy and angry all at the same time. Um, I love how Lynn handled it though. I love mm-hmm. how Lynn does pretty much everything. So, but um, thumbs up always for anything related to Hamilton. Like I just need it to be. July 3rd. July 3rd, like today. Matt? I, if, if Lynn is in favor of this, I, I don't see how any of us could not be. Mm-hmm. Um, in or, and, and the reason that he did it is even better so that it is more available for a wider audience. Um, so thumbs up to that. I like how he also says, like, you can sing along with, our, with, with whatever words you want, and if mm-hmm. you even want, you can sync up the uh, soundtrack to it, too. So it's like, he's just like, it's fine. It's cool, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Michael Keaton is in talks to um, put the bat suit back on for the upcoming Flash movie. Uh, he could also return uh, for other DC-oriented film projects, uh, and his and it would be kind of similar to the MCU's Nick Fury. I want to give this a thumbs up, but I'm going thumb sideways again uh, because as much as I would love to see uh, Michael Keaton back as Bruce Wayne or even Batman, uh, man, I really would just want it to be just for this flash movie. I don't think that I necessarily want him to be our new Batman again. Um, Or if he was going to continue to be in DC movies, maybe if they made it like a Batman beyond type of situation where Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne is older anyway. Um, But still like if, if this does end up happening, then I'm just going to be that much more excited for the Flash movie. Tabitha. Uh, yeah, Michael Keaton is my Batman. Um, so I like the idea of him like having like a Nick Fury kind of thing if they're going to stop making other Batman movies. Like, stop making <laughs> other Batman movies. Stop having Batmanception. Like, I just need one Batman movie. Like, if they want to make like 50 DC movies and sweep Michael Keaton as Batman slash Bruce Wayne into all of them, huge thumbs up. But if they're going to make a trilogy out of Robert Pattinson being Vampire Batman, like, I'm not down. <laughs> I don't want to play it. And then, like, five, like, that movie will come out. And then, like, a week later, you'll have another DC movie. It's like, hey, Bruce Wayne's Bat- or, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman now. And you're like, but wait, wait. Like, the Robert Pattinson. Like, wasn't he Batman five minutes ago? So I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I will always give anything where Michael Keaton plays Batman a thumbs up, but I'm worried that it's going to be like a weird universe X Men situation going on where you can't figure out the timeline. <laughs> Truth. Um, when 
I first heard about this and I didn't get a chance to read the article. Um, the idea of Keaton coming back and playing Batman in the Flash movie, especially considering it seems like we're going to get some sort of Flashpoint uh, storyline on this. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. I love that that will kind of like, I, I don't know, like piggyback into the DCEU. Um, and so I, I was all for it until you said that this might be kind of like a Nick Fury type of MCU role where he's sprinkled here and there throughout that. I don't, I don't see how that works. And I don't feel like that's advantageous to the DCEU. Um, so thumb sideways. Lydia. Yeah. You guys basically covered everything that I was going to say. Like, I love the idea of him as Batman, but there's, just a lot that makes me wary of it, so thumb sideways. Uh, Matt, let's talk about SpaceX. Uh, so Elon Musk just he has all the things that he needs to do. Um, he replied to a tweet um, on June 16th that SpaceX is building floating super heavy class spaceports for Mars, Moon, and hypersonic travel around Earth. Um, he tweeted that in response to a tweet from SpaceXFleet.com, which is uh, basically that SpaceX is hiring offshore operations engineers um, in Texas. So he is, is not happy with uh, just sending astronauts in the Dragon rocket to the space station. Um, he's build, he wants to build spaceports for Mars. So, um, I mean... I, I, I don't even know what to say about this. He's just so all over the place. I thumb sideways. <laughs> Lydia. I just need Elon Musk to like calm down for a minute. <laughs> yeah. He's p- pick a lane dude and stay there. Thumb sideways. <laughs> I need to not hear about Elon Musk for like five minutes. Uh, I'm going thumbs down. <laughs> Have a thumb. Um, I agree with Lydia. Like, pick a pick a lane, stay in said lane. Also, like, I could complain about the privatization of space for like six years, but like, do we really like? Do we really need this? <laughs> like, who can afford this? Elon People Musk, who, right? <laughs> Is Elon Musk just basically wants to go to Mars, and he's like, I'm gonna figure it out because I want to go to Mars. <laughs> Guys, he's the reason we have an alien invasion this year. Probably. Yeah. Probably. They're like, okay, we see you trying to come out here. Hold your horses. We'll come yeah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia is You guys are trying way too hard. <laughs> Tabitha, uh, let's get scary and go to Scream. So for some reason, this is, this is what 2020 is getting us, except it's happening in 2021. We're getting a new Scream movie. Yeah. But I didn't what? know we needed the first four, but we're getting another one. David Arquette is confirmed to be t- returning as Dewey Riley. Uh, no other confirmations of cast yet. Um, when Wes Craven died, I honestly thought this was going to die with him, but I didn't get that, that lucky. So here we go again. Except <laughs> I hate these movies. Like, I hate the screen movies with the back of 10,000 Burning Suns, mostly because of Nev Campbell. But... <laughs> I hate Nev Campbell. I hate her so hard. I just, I, ugh. Anyway, we all know what Scream is about. We all know that there was a TV show on MTV that lasted for like seven minutes. 
this is just, we do not need this, like, at all, ever. We didn't need the first war. We don't need a fifth one. We don't need any, we just stop it. Make it stop. This is the thing, this is the thing I want COVID to cancel. The Scream movie. Thumbs down. <laughs> also, Nev Campbell. I want somebody to cancel Nev Campbell. Matt. <laughs> yeah, we don't need this. We, like, in all the, the, the reboots and additional sequels and everything that Hollywood is doing because they can't come up with original ideas. This is by far one of the things we do not need. Thumbs down. Lydia. Are there really only four? I thought there was like 13. They feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's the problem. There's still, there's too many already. Like just let it die. Leave it alone. Thumbs down. Uh, Yeah. Total thumbs down. Also, Tabitha, I completely forgot that there was a uh, MTV series. I don't yeah. know where there was one. Yeah. Well, when that released, I was like, I swear to God, if they find Nev Campbell hiding wherever Nev Campbell's been hiding, <laughs> back in this. Okay, so I watched Party of Five, and I really liked Party of Five, but every role that Nev Campbell has ever been in, she has the same facial expression. And she does that facial expression for the entirety of whatever she's in, and her face never changes. It's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. Go watch something with Nev Campbell and watch her face not change for the whole movie. It's it's the weird it it it's so disconcerting. She looks like a sociopath. It's awful. I can't stand it. I call it her party of five face because that's when she started making it and it's never stopped. It's gonna be really <laughs> awkward when Nev Campbell is our guest for next week's Artist Alley. I won't be here. She's been <laughs> she's been crocheting a lot lately. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just glad she's doing something with her time while she makes it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, Matt, let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about the Halloween tree. Uh, so, Ray Bradbury's classic Halloween tree uh, is in development with Warner Brothers for a live action movie. Um, back in 1993, Bradbury wrote a screenplay for a TBS animated. Um, movie, uh, which was narrated by Leonard Nimoy, Uh, but this is going to be live action to the big screen. Will Dunn, who is from the 20th Century Fox's Future Writer Program, uh, is apparently leading the adaptation. So, um, I love this story. Um, I hadn't read it, as much as I love Bradbury, I hadn't read this until a couple of years ago, Um, and I will probably try and read this like every year now. Long and short, the synopsis is a band of young costume trick-or-treaters setting out on Halloween find that their leader, Joe Pipkin, is having an emergency appendectomy. They soon discover the Halloween tree where Mr. Moonshroud, perhaps a personification of death, is about to harvest Pipkin's jack-o'-lantern. He takes the children back with him back in time to learn the histories behind their individual costumes as they seek to help their dear friend. In the process, they just might have a chance to save him. Uh, So this is going to be time travel it's gonna be bradbury it's gonna be i don't know if they if done justice i mean i love pretty much everything bradbury has done so i'm just gonna go thumbs up and hope that this comes out for the best lydia i didn't know this was a thing and this sounds really cool plus hey 93 is a good year um (laughs) (laughs) but no like that, that sounds really cool and really fun and i very hopeful that they do this justice and I kind of want to go find this and read this myself now. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I also never heard about it, but um, 
yeah it sounds it sounds like a really cool concept um uh, sounds fun it sounds like a fun read and i hope that um oh oh look at that it's yeah it's like nice. an afternoon nice yeah it's short yeah i need to come like and there are pictures uh withdrawal from you guys <laughs> library over there <laughs> we're gonna make up library cards the late fees will be ridiculous though True. <laughs> you have to pay Arnie and snacks. I can do that. <laughs> I said snacks. He's like, hmm? <laughs> you have my attention. But yeah, but definite thumbs up. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that this is something that'll translate well in a movie. Uh, Tabitha. Um, I love this book. It was something that I used to read pretty frequently. Um, it is terrifying. Like, reading yeah. it as an adult, and remembering reading as a child, I'm like, how did I sleep? Like, what was wrong with broken <laughs> tiny Tabitha that she was like, read a scary story, go to bed. Like, I hope they make this as creepy as it should have been. They made an the animated movie mm. that they made is not creepy. It's hokey. It's like, it's happy, lucky kind of. And it's just not, it's not what you want from this story because the story like literally gives you chills. And then it, they made it like a cartoon, like, Give me, give me the dark, give me the drama, give me like Tim Burton-y kind of like, mm. just give it to me. But I want it, thumbs up if they do it right. That's what I love about Ray Bradbury. Mm -hmm. It just, I, that's, that is why he's my favorite author of all time because he takes things that should be normal everyday occurrences and he twists them into something bizarre and dark. And it's just, it's just effortless on his part. So the last story for uh, Forget Reaction tonight. So Tom Brevoort, who is Marvel's Senior Vice President of Publishing and Executive Editor, has launched an editorial simulation game on his personal blog. Uh, players will take weekly turns um, in the, with five players uh, with the goal of successfully managing their titles, uh, both commercially and critically. Uh, I think I read where it's like three, three of the uh, players will be from Marvel, one from DC, and then one from Image Comics. I'm giving this a thumbs up. I don't know if it's something that I will personally play just because uh, RPGs aren't really my thing, um, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Tabitha. Yeah, this sounds like a blast. Like, I, I like the creativity behind it and like the, like, what is the word I'm looking for? Like the, like bringing all of those things and all those, thank you, together. Like that makes me happy, so thumbs up. Matt. Uh, I, again, like, I love the creativity behind this too. Like this is like in a world where movie studios are doing scream five, like, you know, they're doing this. So thumbs up. Lydia. You know, for a split second, I thought you were going to like go like movie theater guy with that line. Just so you know, <laughs> in a world. In a world. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but no, this sounds really cool. Um, yeah. I like the combination of all those things coming together. So thumbs up. Um, Matt, let's roll a d20 for tastiness. I'm impressed. That was a fantastic segue. I, I liked it. hate that you just said tastiness. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there was a thing about D&D &D coffee, and I said, should roll for alertness. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I just mostly hate that you said tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I found a new word I don't like. <laughs> Yeah. Can he spell tasty because Fergie cannot? <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, this ball from Tencent Press. 
we are going to be getting a D&D comic, or, oh my gosh, cookbook. There's the words. Um, it is called Heroes Feast, the official Dungeons & Dragons cookbook. It is going to have 80 dishes. Uh, they are all inspired by cultures and monsters of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, there will be all types of recipes, snacks, main courses, desserts. With each recipe, you are going to get context. Um, so you will get facts and trivia. You will get background information about like where, um, where in the D&D universe this recipe originated, essentially. Um, give one example, you know, in the article about a story from Icewind Dale, which is a a realm spinoff, if you will. Um, the this is coming out October twenty fifth, and it has a price of thirty five dollars, and is already up for pre sale. So, I don't know. I think this sounds. I think this sounds fun. Um, I don't know. With if the pandemic continues to last, it'll give all those all us nerds something else to cook this winter. Right. This is just, <laughs> I'm a sucker for these like TV show game cookbook things. Like Same. I don't ever buy them because they're outrageously expensive. But like I like we'll go to the bookstore and look through them, and they just always crack me up. Like there's a Downton Abbey one that I don't need because guess what? I can Google how to make like English bread pudding. Mm. But also, I kind of want to know how they would make it at Downton with the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> $40 on a cookbook I'm not going to use. Like. That's, when, that's when you just like break out your phone and you take pictures of each page. They I'm might get a little mad about you doing that at a bookstore. Why do you do it subtly? What if I have done a subtle way to do that? Or, or buy the cookbook, take it you know, home or to your office or wherever you have a, a copy machine, make copies of the recipes that you want and then return the book. If I'm going to the worst kind of person. If I'm going to do all that work, I'm just going to buy the cookbook because my time is more valuable to me than my money. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, I'm that person that never returns anything. Like if, if, if I buy it, it's, it's staying. Like I make a yeah. commitment when I buy something like I'm, I'm like, $7 not worth me driving to Target again for it. I'll do it. Truth. <laughs> but, but no, in all seriousness, I mean, something like that is fun. And even though, like, I don't personally play D&D, like, if I did, I think that I would buy this just to have, like, these snacks for whenever, you know, game night rolls around. <laughs> but You said snacks. Arnie, game over here. <laughs> I'm sorry. The S word. <laughs> Not saying the S word. <laughs> so, Tabitha, um, I feel like this next story is going to make you say other words that you know aren't nice. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about George R. R. Martin. Oh, this idiot! Rough <laughs> <laughs> to a great start. <laughs> So George R. R. Martin in his new blog has confirmed that he's been keeping himself as healthy as possible and working steadily on Winds of Winter, uh, which he's been saying for 300 years. So whatever. I'm just going to read you his blog quote because it enrages me. Um, if nothing else, the enforced isolation has helped me write. I am spending long hours every day, which I'm assuming is like 20 minutes, on Winds of Winter and making steady progress. I finished a new chapter yesterday, another one three days ago, 
another one the previous week. But no, this does not mean that the book will be finished tomorrow or published next week. It's going to be a huge book, and I still have a long way to go. So, yeah, I remember when I said I was ready for him to just kick the bucket so Brandon Sanderson can write this book. Brandon Sanderson could have wrote, written the entire Game of Thrones trilogy in the three days George R. R. Martin wrote three chapters. Like, why? Why are you like this? This cannot be this hard. Like, you have five books already to build off of and 16 years worth of notes. I refuse to believe that you can't figure this out. He's waiting on himself. He's just, he's trying to die. Like, I'm kind of surprised he's isolating and he's not just running amok, like trying to get COVID so he doesn't have to finish Wins of Winter. <sighs> no one is like, no, like he said this in his blog and everybody was like, the epic eye roll heard around the book community was like, okay, sure, George, whatever you say. Is Wrote he- a chapter yesterday. No, you did not. No one believes you. <laughs> the electronic pad on the back, he wrote three chapters. Oh he said he finished a chapter yesterday. He didn't say he wrote the chapter in that one day, though. Well, no, and then he, but he did say, he's like, I finished a chapter yesterday, another one three days ago, another one the previous week. So a week and a half, and a half you wrote four chapters of a book you've been writing since, like, Jesus was walking the earth. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. Yeah, and plot twist, those four chapters are the first four chapters. Oh, I'm sure. There's no <laughs> doubt. Or they're the last four chapters, and he's working his way backwards, mm. which I think, because, like, he said something before about how he, like, doesn't write in a linear fashion, and I'm like, well, maybe you should try that. I don't know. That might help you. <laughs> At this point, I don't even take you this time. Don't well, even look it anymore. Like, <laughs> just keep it to yourself. <laughs> Now, has he also, like, was he actually writing chapters of Winds of Winter, or was he writing chapters of, say, like, Big Bang Theory fan fiction? I mean, <laughs> it was implied that he was writing Winds of Winter, so I'm just gonna, I don't, I don't know. Who knows? He's probably writing another history of a family that nobody cares about, so we can have 700 more pages on the Targaryens for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, go write, like manual like I feel like he's bored with the story and like he doesn't want to finish it so he keeps like digging at little pieces of it to find something to write like the fire and blood like the Targaryen history like you gave me a 600 page history book but you can't give me a 600 page novel like stop it just stop messing with my emotions (laughs) I only have like two and he's messing with both of them (laughs) impatience and anger (laughs) so i don't know if this next story is going to cheer you up or not but um we are going to visit the baby yoda news desk and i'm going to uh hijack the baby yoda news desk this week be my guest so hasbro has announced a boppet edition dedicated to baby yoda yeah that's right you bop twist and pull on poor baby yoda no no <laughs> it's it's not quite available for pre-order yet, but I think it's going to be out this fall. Uh, it's going to be priced at fourteen ninety nine. No, but yeah, poor baby Yoda. Like, what are you doing? Like, bopping him on the head and pulling on his ear? Like, what are you? No. Yeah. 
Now I have little buddy foo foo stuck in my head. Baby Yoda. Exactly. It actually looks like what? Oh, that's so sad. Also, yeah. Voodoo Bop It was still a thing. Yeah, it's still. Yeah. I mean, I've got. Oh, no. I've got. No. I've got a BB 8 Bop It. But that one, like, that's okay, in my opinion. There's an R2D2 version? I mean, with droids, like, droids are going to be okay. There's a Chewy version. I don't know that I'm okay with Chewy either. Definitely not yeah, okay with Baby Yoda. These are so weird. Yeah, I'm not into this. This makes me uncomfortable. A Bop It should be, like, non organic. Like, it should just be an item, not modeled after anything living and or breathing. That's just cruel. There's a Groot version? That one's going to be confusing because he just keeps saying, I am Groot, regardless of right. whether he's supposed to be or Bop. Or... <laughs> you just have to guess by the intonation that he says it in, which what he's talking about. What? No. That's awful. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Matt, you've got a couple of uh, gaming stories this week. Let's first talk about uh, a new prescription. Uh, yeah, so uh, Achille Interactive Labs is developing a game that the FDA has approved as a treatment option for a form of digital therapy for ADHD. Uh, it's the first of its kind. Uh, it's designed for 8 to 12-year-olds with uh, lots of bright colors. It's action-packed. Um, it is designed for iPhone and iPad. It does also come with a companion app for parents and caregivers so that they can track the users or the gamers' um, progress. Um, it, I mean, it is it's the first of its kind, and it is, it, it's a treatment option, and it's only designed to be like part of an ADHD treatment. It's not supposed to be like the entire treatment. It's not supposed to be... Um, you know, it's, it's supposed to be used in conjunction with other ADHD medications and treatments. Um, but, like, right now you can sign up on uh, Achille Interactive Labs website for uh, the wait list so that when this becomes available, you can be, um, you know, uh, let know. Um, the game is called Endeavor. There really isn't a whole lot of information on either the web, on their website or in this article about, like, what is, like, what gameplay kind of thing it is uh, it looks kind of like it's aliens and spaceships and that kind of stuff but um, almost more of a uh, like a platform type game so you know Sonic or Mario kind of thing they did do a study that has shown that kids that have played Endeavor regularly have shown improvement um, in conjunction obviously with other ADHD medication and treatment um, there is a small note from the article, and I'm going to pass this on, um, the doctors that participated in that study were paid by the developer. There it is. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But at the same time, the FDA did approve this as a, you know, treatment option. So, um, you know, aside from the uh, hand-eye coordination that, you know, kids get from video games, there's another benefit. I like so. that. 
Yeah, and yeah, especially if it's it's something that you know they're 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 taking things like ADHD and they're they're looking for other ways to treat it other than just hey have some medic you know medication you know um, I think this is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I like that alternate treatment methods are like coming into the 21st century with like technology and stuff instead of just being like on paper. Which I mean, what kid does stuff on paper anymore? Like they all sit down in front of a TV, a tablet, or a computer. Like if you can find a way to integrate what they already like to do with something that's going to help them. Like, that's fantastic. It makes me nervous every time you see a study and anybody who's approved it, it has been paid to approve it basically, mm -hmm. um, or paid to do like the research. Like that makes me nervous, but this is, this is fantastic. Um, Matt, you also got uh, a story about um, another celebrity joining Animal Crossing. I do. Um, so we all know how scary Danny Trejo is as a bad guy in movies. Um, but if you haven't seen it, he is absolutely in love with puppies. Mm -hmm. And he did an interview at one point where they just kept feeding, like not feeding him literally, but like, <laughs> like doing the interview and like putting more puppies on his lap. And he just absolutely glows the entire interview. And it's fabulous. So as scary as he is in movies, he's just a big lovable guy. Um, but he plays Animal Planet, Animal Crossing, Animal Planet. Gosh, Animal Crossing, um, and he stopped by a show hosted by Gary Witta called Animal Talking, um, and they're now doing a recurring segment which takes place on Danny's Island called Danny's Diary. Um, the first episode is six minutes long, and he gives you a tour of the island and some of the other characters and some of the things that he has on the island. Apparently, I haven't gotten to watch it, but apparently in this six minute, even this first episode of six minutes, Danny Trejo gets very excited and animated and you can hear it in his voice as he like takes joy in showing everybody around his uh, Animal Crossing Island, which is just, you know, as the world may continue to fall apart, it's fantastic that there's joy in those things. <laughs> I love this so much because he, he said that it was his kids that got him into it and he just like instantly became hooked. So the fact that he's kind of taken that and run with it and it just makes him so happy is so amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, this is, this is amazing. And to think of somebody like Danny Trejo and like Animal Crossing is about the last game that I would envision him playing. Right? <laughs> Tabitha, you've got a story about what uh, people probably shouldn't be doing if they're trying to restore art. Okay, so this one time I accidentally got a minor in art history, and <laughs> I can't paint, draw, or anything to save my life, but I'm like 60% sure I could do a better job than these people they keep hiring to restore these, like, renaissance pieces. Um, do you guys remember a while back that this picture of Christ that went viral where a woman had tried to restore yes. it? Remember that? Okay. Yes. People have not learned their lesson by hiring people who aren't actual, like, art restorationists. Um, the Virgin Mary, uh, depicted in a Bartolome Muriel's, um, The Immaculate Conception, has this beautiful face and it's just it's this gorgeous stunning piece of art but um 
a copy of the painting, which thank God it wasn't the original, uh, went to a furniture restorer's to be cleaned. Oh and no. The Virgin Mary came back looking a little, little, uh, little haggard. Um, and then they realized that they screwed it up and they tried to fix it and they uh, basically made it worse. <laughs> like um, you do. <laughs> as, as one does. Uh, the private art collector paid 1,200 euros for them to ruin this. Um, they gave them <laughs> mirrors as well, which mirrors are one thing. Like, it's not art. It's not oil. It's not canvas. It's glass and wood. Like, furniture restoration on mirrors makes sense. Furniture restoration on art does not make sense. I. It looks like I painted stuff on my face and then pushed my face against canvas. Like, that's really what it ended up looking like. Um, just... Just make it stop. Like, I, I urge you to go find this picture, Mitch. I'm looking at it right now. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Right? The Virgin Mary has looked better. Um, it is. <laughs> she had a rough night. Right? <laughs> I don't like, think she's, she's a virgin anymore. one too many majors. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... I just don't understand why this keeps happening. Like, if you have a piece of art, especially a valuable piece of like art, even if it is a copy, why are you like, hey, Bob down the road, can you fix this for me? And Bob's like, I don't know, I got some paint, so maybe. Like, can we fix it? No, we can't. (laughs) It's just so bad. Like, one of the uh, quote-unquote restorations, I mean, it looks like it would have gotten, like, a B-plus for, you know, like, a sixth-grade art project. (laughs) Yeah. Fourth grade. <laughs> Fourth grade. Um, yeah. I once had an art instructor tell me, because I took an art appreciation class in college. That was my first my first art class. Uh, told me that I drew like a child, like a three-year-old child with amputated arms. <laughs> wow. That's he told brutal. me that in my cheek in front of the class. Um, <laughs> that was a good time. But you know what? It still looked better than this Virgin Mary with the narrow nose and the off-kilter eyeballs. <laughs> so, you know, Mr. What's-Your-Face, if you're listening to this, somebody got paid for this. I don't care if I draw, like, a three-year-old with amputated arms. But, yeah. Like, seriously, like, with those restorations, like, I feel like if you saw, like, the full restoration, you would see, like, you know, the sun, like, drawn in the corner, like, you do with, like, every... <laughs> Things aren't every, the right color. Yeah, every yep. every kid's drawing has that sun, you know, in the in the corner, mm-hmm. and a dinosaur. Yes, and like the the M <laughs> for the bird flying in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little green things on the bottom for grass. Yeah, like that's that's my life. But yeah, this looks terrible. Please stop. Please stop hiring furniture restorationists. To touch painting. Just don't let anybody touch paintings unless they have a, like, you know, they're an artist with a degree in art. Uh, so we got one last story to talk about. So there's a new change.org petition, which I always love these petitions. And the petition is calling for the city of Columbus, Ohio, to be changed to Flavortown in <clears throat> honor of Guy Fieri. <laughs> um, the petition says, quote, For one, it honors Central Ohio's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads 
and one of the nation's largest test markets for the food industry. Secondly, Chef Liberty, yes, Chef Liberty, Guy Fieri was born in Columbus. Uh, so the city, so naming the city in honor of him would be superior to its current nomenclature. Uh, I checked a little bit earlier while we were recording, and at that time it had just over 96,000 signatures. Wow. Yeah. How uh, big is the city of Columbus? Uh, good question. Let's find out. Also, I feel like Chef Liberty is something that you would come up with. Oh, uh, <clears throat> that would be something that I would come up with and not actually say because I even recognize that it's awful. <laughs> uh, according to Google, uh, Columbus, Ohio has eight, as of 2018, has 892,533 people. Wow. So- so, like, even if that's if, if you just count it as people that are in Columbus, that's a good chunk of the population. <laughs> yeah. Which I guarantee that it's not just people from Columbus, Ohio, that have signed this petition. But, like, even if you just look at it like that, like, that's a good chunk of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, man. I gotta say, though, like, I've never been a Guy Fieri fan, but, like, part of me wants to sign that petition because... <laughs> That would just be awesome. Flavortown, USA. <laughs> so uh, that'll do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And be sure to let us know about any cool things we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye! bye.